0: I am so glad you're here with us today because we have an incredible guest with us, Rod. Rod is the president and COO of Money Insights. He is a co-host of Money Insights podcast, where he and his business partner, Christian Allen, expand on the benefits of alternative investing and business ownership. He's a longtime entrepreneur, beginning with his education as an MBA with an emphasis in entrepreneurship. He practices what he preaches with a wide variety of investments, including business, real estate, in many forms, fund investing, et cetera. Thank you so much, Rod, for being here today. It is such a pleasure to have you. And I would love for you to just dive into your journey, how you got here today, and then we can go a little bit deeper.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. So I mean, I'm going to go back to my journey uh, beginning when I was in college And I just so happened to find, uh, Robert Kiyosaki's book, rich dad, poor dad, while I was in, in going to BYU in school Mm -hmm. and that really shaped my journey. So I was uh, going to school from in marketing communications for my undergrad. Mm -hmm. And so I just started mapping out a course where I would be able to have my own business be, you know, be the, the business owner. Mm -hmm. So, um, after graduation, I, I went and worked for a company for a little while and then went back and did an MBA. I felt like that was important to to learn the ropes, learn you know how to look at the finances and everything inside of a business and understand how to run it. And I actually had thought I knew what my business was going to be uh, when I started the MBA. But what I quickly learned is that I can't dictate the market. And so my idea would only work if if there was a market for that. And, but, but what it did is it opened my mind to the idea that, that really, I don't know necessarily now what my business is going to be just that that's what I want to do. So in, in the MBA, I, I focused on entrepreneurship and, um, and again, by the time I graduated, I was still working full-time for somebody else. Didn't know what it was going to be, but then within a couple of years, I had an opportunity to go buy a furniture business. So it was a guy who had been very successful in his furniture business. He had also done some cabinets and he was doing so much work on both sides. He he finally got to the point where he had to uh, make a decision. Am I going to do cabinets or am I going to do furniture? So he mm-hmm. went with the, the cabinets. I bought his furniture business. Um, the timing wasn't great though. That was 2007. Mm-hmm. So about roughly a year later, mm-hmm. uh, everything crashes. And um, so it was kind of like, Good news bad news that the bad news is that it crashed the good news was it was just so dramatic that it, it was very clear that there was no purpose for me to to try to stick it out and and kind of get past that <laughs> uh I needed to start looking for for something else that was going to be you know more fitting to 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 getting going so yeah. that's how I got into to what I'm doing now in, in financial services okay. and uh and really just kind of put me on the path with you know where I met my, my partner et cetera. we can get into more detail on that but but ultimately, um, getting to a place where um, with with that kind of entrepreneur, entrepreneurial spirit, um, sticking with it, getting past the, the challenges and, and getting to a place where now we can, we have a, a very successful thriving business.
0: You know, sometimes we go into something thinking, okay, this is exactly what I'm going to do. Yeah. This makes sense. And then you completely do a complete churn of that. And I'm curious, what was your initial interest in even starting your own business? What was that motivation behind it?
1: Yeah, I didn't grow up in a family where there was the kind of this entrepreneurial thing. Um, it was more traditional, like hey, go go work for someone else, go to school, you know, get get a good education, and then go to work for someone else and, and provide value there. Uh, so it really was that. Uh, just reading Rich Dad Poor Dad, and and for anyone who's not familiar with it, um, he focuses on and and really it's it's actually the sequel is probably more um, of of what helped me do this, but it's called the Cashflow Quadrant. And he breaks into four categories, uh, our our opportunities for working and building wealth. and on on the left hand side is the employee quadrant and then the self-employed quadrant. And those two, you, you pay more in taxes, um, you, you just are forced to, to work harder and, and whatever. And, and you know not that there's anything against working hard, but it's when you move to the right hand side of the quadrant where you can be a business owner and an investor, where you can really take advantage of of a lot better tax situation and just have a better chance to to build your wealth. And so kind of catching that vision of of being a business owner is what inspired me to to then want to to do this. And and, uh, again, the journey was very different than I envisioned at the time, but, but here I am.
0: I love that, and I think too. We don't always know what bumps we're going to hit along the road. And I'm really curious, with your background in entrepreneurship, and then also getting your MBA and education, how did that influence your approach to investing and business ventures?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I really wanted to to know the inner workings of of business. Mm -hmm. I figured, hey, if I'm if I'm going to be not not that I I wanted to. Uh, do it all myself. Right.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, But, but one of the books that I came across in, in my MBA program, it's called E-Myth. And um, basically the, the E stands for entrepreneurial. So it's at the entrepreneurial myth and uh, by Michael Gerber. And basically he just spelled out, Hey, if you're going to own your own business, you might as well run it or, or set it up as if you're going to franchise it. And what Mm -hmm. that means is, is that you, you set up processes that, whether it's initially, if it's just you, you're filling all of those, all of those roles and doing all of those processes yourself, but by being methodical in, in the way you set them up and and kind of create this, um, this system that can, that can thrive as if you were going to franchise it and just, you know, hand the manual off to someone else and say, Hey, you, you go run another, you know, parallel business. Um, but by doing that, um, you're basically setting yourself up for the best success possible, yeah. and and so then quite literally, in our cases, we've been building uh, our business, and initially it was just my partner Christian and I, um, and then as we've added different members, then uh, it, it's taking those processes and and you continually refine them. You, you know, it's it's not like you got it all figured out, you know, right <laughs> away, but um, but really again, it's that focus on on making sure that you have the right processes in place that accomplish what you want to accomplish. So you're, you're very intentional in, in what are we trying to accomplish here? Not just the product or service that you provide, but, but how you provide it, what, what you want, what kind of an experience you want your, your clients to have, and then just basically reverse engineering that and building processes that accomplish those things.
0: That makes so much sense. And I'm so curious because I know part of that is being able to build processes. So it flows, makes things streamline, And especially, I haven't heard of that book, which I'm surprised because I, I read a lot, but now I'm like, oh, I'm intrigued. So, yeah. but I, I do agree. It's setting things up so you don't have to be in it all mm-hmm. the time. And part of that was bridging with having a partner with Christian. What did that look like? How did that come about building that partnership?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And um, it just kind of evolved. So. When I got into the financial services business, Christian had already been uh, working in it for for several years and was a, a manager, kind of building a team. Mm-hmm. And he recruited me to be on his team, so that initially was our starting point, our, our relationship. Um, and he, you know, he was someone, is someone who is who is very successful, mm-hmm. uh, but he recognizes his his weaknesses, mm-hmm. and he saw in me some of those things that could help him kind of bridge that gap. And so he, as a kind of a part of that team, he was saying, Hey, can you plug in and do these, you know, these different things. Um, and, and that's how it started, but, but just little by little, uh, our world became a little more interwoven and, uh, and, and likewise, like for the, in the same way that he was looking to me for kind of fill the gap on some of the things that he had weak as weak points, same thing for me, his strengths, very are, are are like huge in terms of of where my weaknesses are and so um I, it was it was like a really good match and uh and so i would say over the next maybe 4 or 5 years uh, we started working a little more together before we then actually decided kind of formally hey yeah we're going to do this we're going to form a company and and be partners and and move forward in that way
0: I love that. And I think too, it just takes off some of the pressure of having to do everything on your own, but really finding that beautiful bridge of, okay, these are my strengths. These are mine. Mm -hmm. And then being able to pull from each other's and weaknesses and realizing, okay, how can I fill this gap? And make it work for everyone across the board. And part of that is just building a team, building systems. And part of building your systems, I'm really curious. I wanted to go back to that. What have been some of the tools that you've used on the back end to continue to facilitate growth in your business?
1: Yeah, one of the challenges with the financial services business is it's mm-hmm. it's so um, deep seated in like old ways of doing things right mm-hmm. so when we first uh, were, were working it was all about you know who can we meet in person uh, and and you know having a formal office that people can come into, etc well in 2014, 2015 that all started to change for us. we We started doing more uh, business online, uh, meeting with people across the country through Zoom or through you know phone calls and pretty soon we realized, it a lot, it, oh, but put it this way. I was driving, I was, I was commuting 30 minutes each way to get on phone calls to the internet and whatnot. And it's like, what's the purpose, right? So we actually shut down our, our traditional kind of office. Yeah. And since then we've just worked virtually, we, we've had a virtual office. He's worked out of a home office. i worked out of a home office. And what's funny is at the time we almost had to hide that right in 2015. Yeah. Having home offices wasn't unusual, but it was a little bit, um, kind of like the, the stigma of like, Oh, is it like your mom's basement or something? You know, like that kind of thing. And yeah. not that there's anything wrong with that either, <laughs> but, but again, that stigma. So, um, but you know, obviously with what's happened since then, a lot of people work the way we do, uh, it just so happened that we were kind of a little bit ahead of the curve on that. What that's allowed us to do is to be very focused, in, in the marketing and, and the kind of the, the push for, for the people that we want to work with. In other words, if we live in Utah, not a huge population, you know, relative to other places in the country, if we were f- kind of forcing what we want to do inside of the traditional way of, of the way we were doing business, we would not have had nearly the, the success as we have been able to have by expanding that geographically, especially um, to, to you know, really find the people that that really can plug in and get the most value out of what we're doing. And and that's really what has made a huge difference for us.
0: Mm, I love that. And I think too, it's just being able to realize, you know, all the big tech companies, if you think back, started from either the kitchen yeah, or the basement. Right. I feel like it's, you were ahead of the curve for sure. <laughs> and more people are now open to that idea and doing it regularly. I know I do that too, but not a basement. Right. But you know the kitchen. Yeah. So I think when you're building a business, there's a lot of ups and downs in that regard. What have been some of the obstacles that you guys have faced in building your business from starting from scratch and really making it what it is today?
1: Sure. Yeah. Uh, I would say some of the big obstacles is just figuring out ways to to plug into the our you know demographic, right? Mm-hmm. And Um, so what we've been able to do is, is we have partnerships with, with people. So for example, um, other podcasters who have, you know, who have a a following, so to speak, or listenership of people who are very specific to, to the types of people that, that work well with what we're doing Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and, and creating a, a partnership there. So kind of like a joint venture where, um, they like what we're doing, they're promoting it, they're using it themselves And so that, and then as they promote it, we can plug them in and they can, they can have some profit sharing with that. Um, But it, it just kind of creates a a completely different level of uh, a starting point for people because they, uh, they get to know and, and like, and, and, you know, appreciate the, the opinions of this influencer and then. When they say, "Hey, you should check out these guys and what they're doing because it has provided a lot of value for me," then mm-hmm. even before we've we've met with them, mm-hmm. they already have at least they're a little mm-hmm. more open-minded, a little more you know warm as a as a starting point. And then what we've done is we've created uh, webinars and other content that they can that they can take in on their own time in their own space before even deciding to meet with anyone so that they can get a better grasp for what it is and 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 decide whether it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So we've tried to create create this kind of like organic process where it's very intentional, very specific in what we've done, but for the journey of the of the potential, you know, client plugging into that, taking in information and then deciding am I going to meet with them so that we're not feeling like we're having to like, you know, chase people down and and do that kind of thing. Like by the time they meet with us, it's because they know enough about it and they know they want to at least consider it. And so, you know, I would say our, our success ratio on that for people who who go through that process is, you know, 40 to 50% of the people who contact us through that process, end up doing business with us.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's creating warm leads and knowing that, yeah. okay, this is lead generation can be really challenging when you're right. trying to do so much on the front end. But if you have things in place to really move people along, so the people that are serious about taking action, it doesn't waste anybody's time. And they right. also already have all the information they need to make an educated decision yeah. on move forward. And because I know you've worked with so many different individuals, I would love to know just one or two success stories of the work you guys are both doing.
1: Yeah. So we, um, just to give you a kind of a, a more general idea first, we we tend to work with a lot of people who are, who are high income, uh, a lot of physicians, dentists. Um, and, and basically what, what, where they are is they're in again, this, this high income place. Um, They've, they've worked hard. They've taken a lot of time in, in education and whatnot. So they're a, a, usually a later place in their life by the time they're kind of starting their career and, and, and getting this going. So they feel a lot of pressure to, Really make the most of this high income and turn it into something that can give them a chance to retire at some point, right? So our our kind of tag is we'll we'll take you from high income to high net worth, and uh, and so you know one one person that comes to mind is a a dentist who has been very successful in in building a lot of different dental and orthodontic offices across multiple states uh, with with a lot of different partners on the way. And that model has has led to a lot of success for him. And then um, also he invests in we we call it alternative assets. That, mm-hmm. that tends to be kind of the, the focus of the things we focus on. And by that I mean not what I would consider traditional is stock market 401ks, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So instead of that, we're we focus more on both businesses and real estate and other, you know, oil and gas and bond, and um funds and different things that you can invest in that are not wall street. (laughs) And, um, so, so, you know, this, this person I'm speaking of, he's been very successful building his business. Now he's investing in real estate and other things like that. And what we've done in working with him is built, uh, basically a better foundation from, from which he is doing his investing. So in other words, we're not, we're not offering the real estate, What we're doing is we're offering a better way to flow your money in and out of the real estate to create an additional layer of profitability while you're doing that investing, or even inside of his business as he's, you know, making capital expenditures, capital investments, you know, to build his business or to to open up a new office or whatever. Um, We're we're creating a better foundation piece from which to do that. So what kind of the way we describe that is creating additional layer of profitability, in addition to what you are able to grow and and again it's it's just a cash flow thing mm-hmm. um, the you know what most people will do is they'll build up what i call the opportunity fund the 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 money they're going to be out, out investing build it up inside of a bank account or money market or something like that mm-hmm. take it and invest it create cash flow flow that all back and build it back up and go invest in something else right mm-hmm. well the reason they choose a bank account is because it's it's safe right don't have to worry about losing money like you would if you put it in a, a stock account or something like that. And then secondly, it's liquid. It's ready to, to use when they're ready to, to use it. Um, but the problem is it's really not doing anything for them when it's sitting there you know, between deals. Right. So what we're doing is setting up some specialized life insurance policies where we can create a very predictable 5% tax-free return, 5 plus percent. Um, and that creates a, a foundation piece where when they're ready to use the funds, they actually don't take the money out of the account. Mm-hmm. What they're doing is taking a loan against that money. Their money stays there and continues to grow and compound at that 5% rate. But now they have this other people's money, right? That the loaned money that they they're out investing, putting in their business, putting, you know, into real estate or whatnot. And so literally they're creating value in two places at the same time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So they're creating that return with the investment, the same return they were going to get anyway. Mm-hmm. but then having some additional growth that's happening for them in the meantime. Mm-hmm. So, you know, taking this gentleman as an example, this, uh, this dentist, um, he has again, because he's been so successful millions of dollars flowing in and, and, and through these investments and doing really well, creating really good returns off of, off of that. But in the meantime, having this uh, additional return that that's coming to him in a very predictable and safe way.
0: Mm-hmm. I love this because I think too, it's just for people to hear there's other ways because a lot of people are like, okay, well, I'll invest and I'll go into the stock market. And like that's unpredictable. And Mm -hmm. I have my 401k and I can do that. But realizing that there's so many other opportunities alternatively of investing and just knowing that you have the money, how can you just repurpose it and make it grow and work for you versus against you? And I love that that's what you guys focus on. And I'm really curious if you could just share some of the key benefits you've experienced through alternative investing and owning your own businesses.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think in, in investing um, there's almost an over too much of a focus on the return and I'm not saying that's not important right because it's absolutely critical what mm-hmm. the kind of return you're able to generate um but when when you look at uh the kind of return that you can get off of an investment it's about more than just uh, again it's more just the return so I'll give you an example uh some types of people will compare like again just stock market kind of kind of growth what we're doing over there versus maybe investing in real estate and um do I think that consistently you can create as good, if not better, return in real estate than the stock market? I do. Mm-hmm. Right. And obviously, a lot of different ways to invest in the stock market, a lot of different ways to invest in real estate. But, but generally speaking, I would say um, you, you can create a better return. But it, it goes a lot further than that because I can also create a lot more tax benefits when I invest in real estate that I, I can't really do when I'm investing in the stock market or a lot of other, you know, traditional types of things. And so, you know, when you look at that and you say, so for example, let's say my, my, uh, my stated return is like 20% on, mm-hmm. on this investment in the real estate. When I include the the tax uh, benefits that I created from the tax savings, it mm-hmm. actually can become more like a 30, 35% return. And nothing else changed except the fact that where I invested allowed me to create these additional tax um, efficiencies tax savings so that my return is a lot higher than it otherwise would have been if I was investing in something where I wasn't able to create those kind of tax benefits. So return is one, tax benefits is one. Um, you're in more control in, in what you invest in when, when you go into the alternative space. Um, you can be more it can be a situation where you cr- are creating cash flow that can replace your working income so that you get to a place where where you have enough just uh mm-hmm. free you know um the, the cash flowing assets coming kicking out a, uh, an income so and that can replace your working income so mm-hmm. and those are just a few examples but but benefits that you can get in the alternative space that you can't get otherwise and you know i'm, I'm going to speak to the the choir but yeah. having your own business is a huge way again not only to create higher returns i don't know that you can recreate create as high returns in the stock market as you can running your own business, right? Creating that value, working, you know, blood, sweat, and tears yeah. to make it happen. Mm-hmm. Um, but but just creating something really cool that, that's very valuable. Uh, certainly that's been true for our business. There's nothing else we could have invested in over the last 10 years that would have created as much benefit to us, not just in the income, but then the actual uh, value of the business itself now. Um, you know, we could just couldn't have done that anywhere else.
0: Right now that's so true. And just even thinking about it, because a lot of people have a fear of the risk of investing. Sure. How do you balance the risks and rewards associated with alternative investing?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And first I'll start with this. There's, there's this idea out there that the only way I can create higher returns is if I take on more risk Mm -hmm. and I'm going to, uh, debunk that a little bit. Please. because we, we call it risk adjusted return mm. um it, when I'm investing in the stock market it, it's true if I want to create more higher returns there I do have to take on more risk but when you switch over to something like real estate okay. or even a business right um, and I say that realizing that you know this the stats are real like you know eight out of ten businesses fail within the first five years okay. right However if you break it down you look and say okay but what about the two that survived? What was it that was different about those? Mm-hmm. And usually, it has more it has something to do with um, experience, knowledge uh, being tapped into the into the the core of of where you're trying to build that business, et cetera. And so, again, this idea of risk-adjusted return. If I if I know I'm one of those two out of ten, or in other words, I've built a, a an expertise in something. I have the contacts that I need to to make my business thrive. I have processes right that I'm building building in to make that happen yeah. then I can go in with a lot more confidence and it's a lot less risky for me to do that than it would be to do almost anything else
0: right
1: right and so similarly when you invest in real estate if you're just barely getting started then yes it's going to be a little more risky uh, but because you have to get your feet under you you might make a few mistakes along the way again not unlike invest you know getting a starting a business but but once you have that that expertise Mm -hmm. whether it's flipping houses or whether it's, you know, investing in a syndication, you know, with, with someone else who has that expertise or, or whatever, right. A lot of different ways you can do it, Mm -hmm. but once you have that knowledge base, that expertise, the process, then it's much less risky. And, and again, like I said earlier, you're in more control with that. So you're kind of just putting it in your own hands instead of, thrown against the wall and, and, you know, whatever mutual fund or, 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 you know, the, the, the 401k offers, mm-hmm. I have to choose from those and instead of that, I, I'm like creating my own destiny in a way. Yes. And that's going back to your question on risk to me, that that's a lot less risky in the long run mm-hmm. than, you know, just kind of putting it out there and, and whatever happens, happens.
0: Exactly. It's like betting on yourself, right? Right. Yep. <laughs> And just even with all the entrepreneurs that you've worked with, and well, mostly like physicians and people who have high income already Mm -hmm. that are investing, what advice would you give someone who is considering alternative investing and maybe wants to start their own business?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, And that's really what we've tried to build our our business around. So you gave an example of one of the specific solutions that we help people who are investing in the alternative world. But we feel like... The loudest voice in the in the room is the the traditional side, right? The yeah. Wall Street engine, the 401k, and just regular you know traditional retirement plans. It, it's to the point where most Americans think that's the only way to invest. Right. What we're trying to do is be a voice out there, kind of build this kind of energy toward uh, at least helping people understand what it what other options are available, what it means to, to kind of look into the alternative space. Mm-hmm. And so as a, as a kind of fun starting point, we have what we call our investor quiz. So people can go to money and, and take our investor quiz. And then what that does is with it, it's a few, a few uh, questions you walk through. And then what it does is it, it plugs you into a kind of a curated curriculum uh, of, of things that we've put out there in terms of our podcast and webinars and white papers and just a lot of different things so that you can start to see, you know, what opportunities are, are available and how you can get started, because that's usually the the hardest part, right? Even if someone says, okay, yeah, I get it, real estate, or I get it, you know, having your own business can be valuable, but, but where do I start? And that, I think what, what we've tried to do with that is just create a, a clean starting point for people to start to become educated. Cause that's, that's the first key. Right. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, and then inside of that, we have things like our, our 10 step recipe to, you know, building wealth and, and things like that so that you can begin to see kind of step-by-step. Step, okay. This is how I get started. This is how I start getting educated on what it looks like to start investing in the real, in, in the alternative investment space. Mm-hmm. And, uh, cause that's one of the cool things for for what I get to do every day and, and meet with people who are doing this or out there, you know, kind of creating their own journey.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: That, um, it's really easy to hire a broker and say here here's all my money, go and in and invest it for me, right. right? But in my experience, in my view, not the best way to actually build wealth. Mm-hmm. Uh, the people that we're seeing are what I call like the quarterback. Right. They're not becoming trying to become an expert in all things, but they're taking ownership of their right. future, of, of this, this quest to build wealth. Mm-hmm. So that when they when they say, Oh, yeah, I, I want to look into what it means to invest in in real estate or or in these, you know, ATM funds or, or whatever it might be.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um and and so they're kind of directing what's happening, relying on experts as they're doing it, but but they're the one in control. They're, they're still a kind of do it yourself in the sense that, that they're keeping, you know, control of, of that, the direction, um, and then just plugging into experts as, as needed.
0: That's very true because I think a lot of people don't know where to start, but I love that you have the quiz yeah. there. It's a very clean start of just, okay, well, where do I go? How do I yeah. do this? But I think it's taking Action in your own hands and having that ownership and accountability, like you're saying, of where you want your money to go. Because I think there's been a lot of traditional ways that we've been taught, just like in, when we're younger, in, right. in my day, go to school, get a good job, and you'll be set for life. And yep. that's not the reality anymore, by any means. At least that's what I think. But right. in your experience, what are some of the common misconceptions and myths around alternative investing? I know you already talked about one myth, but is there any others that you hear a lot or have experienced?
1: Yeah. And I think, I think part of it goes back to what you asked about the, the risk. Yeah. The, the misconception that it is just more risky. Mm -hmm. And, and again, to me, it doesn't have to be right. Mm -hmm. So that's one. Um, another one is that, well, here's the irony of it. Mm -hmm. What we, what we talk about as alternative is actually the more long-term, the more tried and true, right? So what, what could be, uh, more, like just old than owning land, right. Yeah, yeah. Having real estate.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but, but over the last, you know, 40, 50 years, mm-hmm. the, the wall street engine has made us, you know, think that that's the only way to go. And, and so this misconception, I think that the way to state that misconception is just a, uh, a lack of familiarity. Mm-hmm. Let me put it this way. Um, if you were to ask someone who who is investing in the 401k has been for, for years for their life, right? They're 60 years old. They're, they're getting close to retirement. That's where they've built their wealth. Uh, Familiarity doesn't necessarily equal knowledge, right? In other words, okay. So ask them how, how's a 401k work? What are the costs you're paying? Do you you know what you're investing in and who's making the decisions on where those investments are being made? And for 99% 99% of the population, they would just have no idea how to answer those questions. Right. But then if you said, you asked the same questions on an alternative asset, well, real estate, right? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to buy a piece of property and, and the costs involved? And, and you wouldn't know the answers to those things. But the irony of it is, is that you're on equal footing as it relates to the knowledge base, <laughs> meaning we don't know much, right? but just that familiarity of, oh, but I was always told to invest in the 401k. Everybody I know puts money in the 401k. My HR director says I should, Uh, Dave Ramsey says I should, right? All these, all these really loud voices saying 401k is the way to go. Um, So it creates a level of familiarity. Well, you can, when, when someone is able to open their mind and see there are other options out there, you can become just as familiar and get that knowledge base. So now you can make more of it. So it, it doesn't have to be this black box, right? Mm-hmm. You can open it up and, and learn. And, and that's kind of, that's just what we're encouraging people to do is mm-hmm. look and at least see what's available out there. If, if you look at it and you finally decide, Hey, yeah, no, I am. I just feel like I'm better off sticking with the traditional Then then fine. But mm-hmm. at least, you know, open your eyes a little bit, take a look at it and see what is there. And if it does provide that opportunity for you to To really take off build wealth in a different way, then you're much better off by having taken a look.
0: Absolutely. It's being open-minded, right? Understanding that there are the traditional ways and those can work. However, just being aware of what's out there because I know there's a lot of opportunities. Sometimes we just don't know that they're available to us or even how to go about it, but how do you stay informed of the latest trends or opportunities when it comes to business landscape, but also alternative investing?
1: Yeah, I think the biggest thing is, is having a community. And Mm -hmm. and so that's kind of what we're trying to do is build a community where people can, can plug in because uh, I would say most of the people that we work with Mm -hmm. when they're sitting around the dinner table or when they're at a, whatever, a family reunion or, or, you know, at work, most of the people around them don't think the way that they do. Yeah. Right. It still is true to say that most people in the United States invest in the traditional way and they don't know much about this, this kind of alternative way of thinking.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But if you can build uh, or, or join a community of like-minded people who are on the, on the journey together, then uh, as you run into things, and you say, oh, hey, I, I heard about this. What do you guys think? Chances are other people in the community have, have seen it or are participating in it or, or whatever, yeah. uh, have an opinion. And so it um, is a huge way to just stay up with the trends and stay up with the information. And it's not that you as an individual have to always you know, keep up with all of that. I don't, right? I'm, I'm trying to be out there and helping people be educated on it. But I wouldn't say that I, that I feel like I'm an expert in, in all of these different ways that I'm always keeping up on, on what's happening in, in these different things. I'm part of the community too. And so I'm tapping into the knowledge base of other people around me as well, trying to bring my expertise, but then also you know, uh, relying on others for information. And uh, so I would say that that can be a huge benefit in specifically what you were asking in, in terms of keeping up with things, but also just, you know, staying focused, right? Not yeah. losing, losing the, the momentum that you're trying to build um, just because so many people around us aren't as, you know, aware or, or looking for help, like in that alternate in alternative space.
0: Absolutely. I couldn't agree more with the community piece because I think we can't know everything. Well, I know yeah. we can't know everything as much as we might want to. Yeah. It's hard to know it all. But I think when we're able to have that community, you can tap into that. You can We're better together. That's what I always believe because yeah. we might not know everything, but somebody else knows something that can lead to another understanding of something new or different or how to navigate it because we have the tools in order to tap into the community. Yeah. And I'm really curious because I know you've already given so much insight but what are maybe your top two tips for entrepreneurs that are on this journey, in particular in investing but also just as a generalization.
1: Yeah, it's a great question. And I would say number one tip is don't get too uh myopic in one direction. In other words, one you know thing that I see with a lot of people is they'll say okay, well what's the best Investment, like where where's the best thing out there, and there is no one best. Well, I shouldn't say that. There probably is. We just don't know what it is. We can't pick it ahead of time. When we ten mm-hmm. years down the line, we'll look back and say, "Oh, it looks like it was that." But today, we we can't know.
0: Mm-hmm. So,
1: uh, but but I think it's a mistake for if someone says, "Oh, real estate is the best, like the only way to go," and then they put everything into that, and then uh, you know, two thousand eight happens, and all of a sudden, you know that that blows up. Mm-hmm. So. What you have, what you want to do is just make sure that you are aware of the risks that exist with any one investment, yeah. and then and then make decisions accordingly. Right. So, mm-hmm. uh, again, can there be a best, and can there be something that someone focuses more of their attention on? Absolutely. Uh, personally, mm-hmm. it, it, that's been our business. Right. There's nothing else that we're putting more time and energy and effort into than we are in our business. Um, but that doesn't mean that 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 we are only investing in our business. We we do invest in th- the products that we that we sell. We, we invest in real estate. We invest in uh, you know, ATM funds and uh, and etc. And um, so just being careful not to get too single focused because right. there's a lot of extra risk that comes with that. But if as you're assessing risk and you say, okay, well this. Um, you know, for example, real estate, one of the risks with real estate is lack of liquidity.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. So if I'm looking at other options to invest in, what can I invest in that, that still gives me a good return, but mm-hmm. I have a little more a- access to the, to the cash, right. right. Yeah. Uh, et cetera. So that's just one example, but, but those are the kinds of thought processes you want to go through as you're analyzing the different options and not getting just too, too hyper focused on one thing.
0: Mm-hmm. I like that. It's like diversifying your income too. And that's where I think the common thread has been of just knowing that if you put all your eggs in one basket, that can be detrimental, just like 2008, what happened with the real estate market, but just understanding there is other opportunities and just really being able to grow it in different capacities and i know you guys are growing so much as well just i'm really curious what are your long term goals or aspirations as an entrepreneur but how do you plan to continue to expand your investment portfolio and business ventures in the future
1: yeah it's a great question and i think the first piece is it's that education piece and that and that community the combination of those two because mm-hmm. the the things that we've seen that have been the most successful so far in our own business, but also in, in what we've seen in, in other people is that kind of community focus. So um, our ability to reach people who can plug in and get a lot of value out of what we're doing mm-hmm. depends on the, our ability to, to get their attention to begin with, right? Right. And so we're doing a lot of things in in a variety of different ways. So like when, when I mentioned the investor quiz, I talked about, you know, we have webinars out there, we're doing our podcast, we put white papers out, we know different people learn in different ways. And so we want to, as much as possible, you know, get out there. We, we do ads in Facebook and and Google and whatnot. We want, we want to, you know, kind of spread the message as far as we can to, to capture those people who well here's a typical journey right someone who was mortured on the traditional side and then they start to feel like man I I just didn't realize there'd be so many costs or I didn't I'm not comfortable with the the level of volatility that I I just have to be be okay with right according to the mm-hmm. experts and I'm right. just not okay with them what else is what else is out there and so what we want to do is be in a position where when they're at that position of transition
0: mm-hmm.
1: that we're someone that they see, and, and then we can become a resource for them in seeing not only what else is out there, but what that journey can look like for them to transition, pivot from traditional, and move more into the alternative space. I think that those are the keys to our future growth.
0: I love it. And I can't wait to see more people being educated on this because I think it's something that is definitely the future and just being able to diversify our incomes, but also feeling more risque in a calculated way to be able to grow wealth and maybe even generational wealth too for a lot of people. But I think it's amazing what you both are doing, you and Christian, and I'm so glad I had the opportunity to have you on today. But where can people find you, find your podcast, everything you guys are up to? We're going to link everything below, but if you could let us know too.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So our podcast is just called the Money Insights Podcast. So you find us on all, you know, Apple or all the, the different platforms. Uh, I already mentioned before, moneyinsightsiq.com is a great way you can plug in, take the quiz. And then uh, again, we'll, we'll kind of have this curated curriculum for you to to plug into um, our base a website is moneyinsightsgroup.com. So that give you a few few different places you can go to find us.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rod, for being on today, just sharing thank your you. journey, all the ups and downs, everything in between. But I really do love what you're doing because it's helping people have more financial literacy, even if they already have a great income. It's just being able to diversify it. And I think I'll probably say that to him, blue in the face because I think it's really important. <laughs> Absolutely. But I do appreciate you coming on today.
1: Thank you. Great to be on.
0: Absolutely. Thank you. And make sure to like, subscribe, comment below. What was the biggest takeaway from Rod today? I'm sure he would love to see that comment and we will see you on the next episode.